the illustration of the peace is what we're saying. The title of the sermon is Jesus comes to make a covering of peace with us. This covenant of peace is not an absence of things going on in your life, but it's a peace, a spiritual peace, one that he makes with the individual, where it's an inner peace, a spiritual peace, one that we shouldn't allow the world or things of the world to take away. And as we see this afternoon, it's not that we won't get old, that we won't have problems and confusion and life goes on and trial and tribulation, a complete removal of tribulation. It's not that things won't come against you, but it's in the midst of that peace, you're not troubled and that it's a calming, if you try to have a calming effect to those around you. Our text this afternoon comes from Isaiah, the 57th chapter, the 19th through the 21st verse. It says, as I create the praise of his lips, peace, peace to him far away, that is Jew and Gentile, and to him who is near, says the Lord. And I will heal him, that is, making his lips blossom anew with thankful praise. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and his waters toss up the mire and the mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. In scripture that we read from Hebrews uh, cross-referenced right where we are here. The right of Hebrews saying, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to him. As we give thanks to God for what he has done, what he is doing through that new covenant that he made with us, we know that God is a covenant God and that the covenant that he had made is one in which he'll never, never break. One in which he gives us a peace that the world does not give us. Within that, we've been studying some in the last week of the peace of God, the peace from God, and the existence within that peace. We read of a man here, part of our scripture text, this afternoon, coming from the book of Job, the 22nd chapter of Job. And I'm going to read it, it's in, in it, wanted to read it in its entirety. It may be a little bit too long, uh, but here, here goes. I'll try that because a lot of it's going to come directly from it. It says, it's, this is Eliphaz speaking, and we know Job's three friends addressed him about Job's life. And sometimes we have friends or relatives that speak into our lives and we have to know the Word of God. We have to know the Word of God because all that what someone says to us doesn't create peace and it's, it's not strengthening and it's not, how can I say it, in compliance with the Word of God. 
even though it may be parts of the word of God, it's not, it may not be applicable to us or to our particular situation. We hear here Eliphaz addressing Job, and it shows his lack of understanding of the word of God, and that that's the time, that's why I say we're in a, a time now that's perilous times, and, and times in which we study, and I try to have as much biblical study and some preaching once a week, but more studying instead of study to show yourselves approved. Yes, Listen yes. to what Eliphaz tells Job. He says, Is mere man of any worth to God? Even the wisest is of value only to himself. Is it any pleasure to the Almighty if you are righteous? Would any be would it be any gain to him if you were perfect? Is it because you are good that he is punishing you? Not at all. It is because of your wickedness. Your sins are endless. For instance, you must have refused to loan money to needy friends unless they, unless they gave you all their clothing as a pledge. Yes, you must have stripped them to the bone. You must have refused water to the thirsty and bread to the starving. But no doubt you gave men of importance anything they wanted and let the wealthy live wherever they chose. You sent widows away without helping them and broke the arms of the orphans. That is why you are now surrounded by traps and sudden fears and darkness and waves of horror. God is so great, higher than the heavens, higher than the stars. But you replied, this is why he can't see what I'm doing. How can he judge the thick darkness with thick clouds swirl around him so that he cannot see us? He is way up there walking on the vaults of heaven, don't you realize that those threading the ancient paths of sin are snatched away in youth and the foundations of their lives washed out forever? For they say to God, go away, God, what can you do for us? God forbid that I should say a thing like that. Yet they forgot that he had filled their homes with good, and now the righteous shall see them destroyed. The innocent shall laugh the wicked to scorn. See, they will say, the last of our enemies have been destroyed in the fire. Quit quarreling with God. Agree with him, and you will have peace at last. His favor will surround you if you will only admit that you were wrong. Listen to his instructions and store them in your heart. If you return to God and put right all the wrong in your home, then you will be restored. If you give up your lust for money and throw your gold away, then the Almighty shall be your treasure. He will be your precious silver. Then you will delight yourself in the Lord and look up to God. You will pray to him and he will hear you and you will feel, fulfill all your promises to him. Uh, whatever you wish you will, will happen. Whatever you wish will happen. And the light of heaven will shine upon the road ahead of you. If you are attacked and knocked down, you will know that there is someone who will lift you up again. Yes, he will save the humble and help sinners by your pure hands. Sounds like this is a, a man that knows his Bible and that is a, a scriptural learning in that. But it's better that they... That's a friend that you have at some time, and apparently he was a friend, for he came a very long journey to be with Job, his friends. Yes. 
But there are some friends that are friends at a distance, and sometimes some things friends say we take with a grain of salt. Some of the people, our relatives or whatever, we confer with, even though that they're saying they're Christians or know the word of God or whatever, we keep our distance because Scripture tells us these are ones that are lacking understanding. Earlier in the first two chapters, we talk about those that were ignorant, the unwise shepherds and the ones that learn on the, the unwise shepherds. Job within himself knew he hadn't did anything, and he's one that God had healed and that God had strengthened. And our first point is that God had made a covenant of peace with Job. We see where even at this time, God was strengthening Job, and his friend spiritually was off base, way off base. So in this age of different religions and different things, we have to be careful of what others say and what is said regarding the word of God because it could take very well, take our peace away. Sometimes we have to not engage in conversations with some people or whatever, and you're what you call casual friends. Uh, during this week of listening and Throughout life or whatever, I've heard different preachers and teachers say, sometimes the best way to stay friends is stay away from around one another. You know, you just talk to one another, see one another, and pass by one another, but it's not a social thing because you get on one another's nerves or whatever. And that's why a lot of times uh, the Bible tells you about divorce and separation and that God had meant for men to be at peace and that we have to strive to keep peace. You have to be very strong to be a peacemaker because a peacemaker sometimes have to make decisions that hurt others. Isaiah, the 54th chapter, in the ninth through the 10th verse, it says, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that had mercy on you. So God passionately loved it loves his people that he makes a peace with them and the steadfast of the love of the Lord will not depart away from them. And as we know that that trusting in God and not in man, what man say, you know, I don't know what position they hold or whether it's your parents or whether it's your children, brothers or sisters, Jesus says, I come to bring a sword. Think not that I come to bring peace. See, because that sword that he brings gives us peace. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it marks the boundaries and it's going to be confusion in your home and that it's going to be confusion wherever you go, but you'll have an inner peace with God. Think not, like I said, that it's an absence of actions and things going on around you because Satan strives to take your peace away from you. Yes. Uh, inner peace of mind, uh, outside peace of calamities, but those calamities and things will come and through tribulation and trial, he wants you to know that he hadn't left you. And if that something's wrong or you're not able to deal with that and that your peace has been taken away, it's because someone had taken it or you had allowed it to be taken away. 
This covering of peace will, from God uh, in Isaiah, Ezekiel talks about it in the 37th chapter of Ezekiel and 24th to the 28th verse. It's described as everlasting. And so God brings his sinful people when a lot of times as Job here hadn't done anything, but we see one of his friends trying to tell him it was because of something he had done. Uh, something he had said, uh, what was going on with him. And it's not that the things in the world is wrong or evil or whatever, but we have to be careful because man perverts those things in the world or whatever. And you could be out enjoying yourself. It kind of tied me up yesterday at the trying to avoid that gush young Christmas parade that was out there or whatever. And uh, me and my wife was the other day was talking about parades and celebration in good times. And those are events that's supposed to be, you know, entertainment is a way also of calming yourself or, or relaxation or whatever. But even now, you know, people try to disrupt and take that piece away. I was telling my brother the other day that I, me and my wife, or even my children nowadays, they don't really go to parades and gatherings, right? Because they say we're living in perilous times or whatever when laughter and everything is going around, shots ring out. Mm-hmm. Yes. And since uh, we went to a Southern homecoming parade once before, and right next to where we were, there were shots ringing out, and I had to grab my children up and my wife. We were running away down Harden Boulevard. The police was after the guy, whatever, but he wasn't five, what, about 10, ten feet, five or ten feet from us? Mm-hmm. That they were shooting. About five feet, right there. And so at that time, I said, I won't do this again. I stopped going to berets and all of those get togethers. And the other night, she was telling me, you know, we heard on the news about, what was it, Zachary? They had a get-together, and there was about a 1,000 people out there. And it wasn't a parade. I thought it was a parade, but it was a get-together, a trail ride or something. And they started shooting with automatic weapons or weapons or whatever. I think one person got killed and several got injured or whatever. But these are gatherings now that people seem to just take away the peace that even a crowd can enjoy. You know, they're shooting in churches and everywhere, so... We have to learn that we have to kind of limit the thing that's going on, but it's not God that takes away peace and calamity from us. It's just that we maybe put ourselves in positions or places where it could be taken away, where we have stumbled at the word because God had told us something, you know, and we hadn't taken heed to that. There is never a point when we will sin too many times that we cannot return a blown to this covenant of peace. And we see, if we read a few verses up from that, he says, For I will not contend forever with thee. Well, I will always be wroth, for the Spirit shall fall before me and the sons which have made. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabited eternity, to whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy places with him also that is of a contrite heart and a humble spirit. So God's out there looking for where you at or whatever's going on. 
and that you should enjoy God, live life that he put you down here to enjoy, uh, to do something for him. But he hadn't put you here for your joy, for your pleasure. You're here to praise God and to glorify God and lift him up. That's why he says the fruit of your lips giving him praise. And that's not a, a, a praise of, of, of self and foster it out, foster it out as that you please in God, but the pleasure indeed is for self. It, it, you're trying to please you. So what you're doing is not glorifying God, it's glorifying self. And we see that that's what's then coming to the church. People are drawing attention and praise to themselves and not unto God as Eliphaz was doing here and rebuking Job and talking about Job. Job later on has to come back and pray for him. He has to come back and pray for him for what he's done because Job himself wasn't as Eliphaz was. Job was a perfect and upright man, and we see God tells him that. We see that that's the opening statement about Job, that he was a perfect and upright man. The closer you live to God and the more you live for God, the more of Satan's minions or demons will come in trying to move you away from your steadfastness in God, where God has you and away from your peace. So if you read the 16th chapter of John, before Jesus goes into this uh, statement at the end of the chapter, and before he talks about let not your heart be troubled, uh, he says, I have said all these things to keep you from falling away because inside the church, you can experience persecution. You can experience, some of them, he says, would experience martyrdom just because there's calamity going on in your life, just because things around you are not going the right way and it's going well for others. Eliphaz stated some things about those that live for God what they should be experiencing. And that's what the prosperity church is focused in now in telling you what you want to hear. In other words, that you will have prosperity, that you will have health. No, sometimes God's children are some of the sickest children that they are. Sometimes they have ill health. But within that ill health, as I was telling you during the latter days of Sister Harris, during that time of ill health, I hadn't seen, seen anyone lately that has been strong in God as she was coming up to that. I've seen many saints of God that, you know, you may not know of all the ones that I've seen or whatever, but you've seen people that comfort you during their times of weakness. It seem like they should be weakness, but they're at peace because why? They're at peace with God. They had made inner peace. There are some people... Uh, I don't know how the old saying goes. My wife says I'm not good at making, you know, repeating old sayings or whatever. But there are many a saints that's poor as church mice, but are completely happy and satisfied in God and had been learned to be content with such that they have. But Satan can cause you to run after riches, run after wealth. And Paul talks about those that think gain is godliness. 
They'll spend all their time working and pursuing uh, a lot of them pursue the lottery or pursue getting more. They're buying bigger houses, bigger homes. Jesus tells of the parable about the man that kept building larger and larger barns. But he says, this night thine soul is required of you. So we can follow through anxiety we can have anxiety of working in our old of age. A lot of us can't retire or can't do anything because we have so many bills. We so entangle up in this world. We may be making thousands of dollars, but we're spending multiple thousands of dollars. In other words, we can't help nobody else because we can't help ourselves. They tell about how many people if they miss one paycheck, they're behind for the rest of I don't know how long trying to get out. Why? Because we live at standards in which we're not able to live. See, we're not like the ones that's looking for the old past. He's accusing Job of not helping the widow. He's accused Job of not helping the people that he employed or whatever. But the thing is here that it was God allowing Satan to try a refined Job in areas that Eliphaz couldn't understand because he was one of the ones that we talked about the other week that were blind, that were blind. Read the last part of that chapter I just wrote, wrote, read to you because the prosperity that Job did have, that's why God doubled that prosperity because Job was living the way he should have lived. But a lot of us are lacking living that way and we have no peace because the cares of this life have choked it out of us. The things of this life have choked those things out of us and we don't have no peace. We can't sleep at night for worrying about how we go pay this and how we go get these things done. And he talks about that. He says, the lilies of the field, they toil in a spender, and the birds of the air, they don't work anything, but they're not worried about it because God feeds them. Mm -hmm. Now, God's not advocating here that we don't work. God's not advocating here that we don't do things. But what he is advocating here, you have to have faith and trust in God. That he's the one that made this covenant with you and wrote it up on your heart and that you have to look to him in persecutions and in trials. Whatever going on, we have to look unto God. And I tell people a lot of times, I say, you know, I need you to help me or whatever because uh, my brother had a touch of dementia and it seems as though it may be in others in my family. I don't know my sister saying you know, that she may be bothered with the touch of it or whatever. But I don't know. I, you know, I don't cement that in because I don't know how many doctors that she do see that saying that or whatever, you know, and she's had a touch of everything on <laughs> or whatever. So I don't know what that is or whatever. But I do know that I'm aware of my weaknesses. And that's why when I was looking for that communion tree and the things that I came up to go, that take communion the day I, I say, well, you know, man, I didn't put us behind or whatever. And where did I put that tree and where did I leave it? Because I go back and check 
and, and to secure myself and know that, you know, okay, this is happening, that's happening. So that's what God wants us. That's why he says in that verse, he says, for I, I will dwell with him. I'm in, I inhabit eternity and I'm holy, but I dwell in the high and lofty places as Eliphaz was saying, but he do condescend down, transcendent down to men of low decree. In other words, he says, those of a contrite, a broken heart, of a spirit, a revive the spirit of the humble. And that's what I'm looking for, for him to revive the spirit within me that I see dissipating along with my physical age. That's why he says, those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings of eagles because I was pretty feeling pretty bad last night or whatever because of something I ate may have irritated uh, this high altar hernia I have. And I've saw several doctors about it asking their input and I'm going to have surgery for this hernia. But see, that's looking unto God. I pray unto God that he would restore. Hopefully that, that helps some of the ailments that I'm having. See, because God helps you through man. Yes, Lord. God, the extension of God is man's hands. I look back at what people have told me years ago. Nothing is about nothing it's God allows you to hear everything for a reason. Everything has a purpose. That's why we have to give account of every idle word we say. Just like Eliphaz here, he had to give account for telling Job these things which were wrong. And God came to Eliphaz and told him, if Job don't pray for you, I'll take your life. You see, you have to be careful of rejecting information just as careful as you are of receiving information. You can receive the wrong information or you can receive the right information, but it's up to God to help you make that choice. You have to be led by the Spirit of God. That's why he said those that meditate upon him, whose hearts are stayed upon him all of this time will not fall away. 16 and 1 there, he says, I have said all these things to keep you from falling away. There's a lot of my people and the majority of them that are not in any church, but they're good people with good hearts or whatever, but that don't cut it. I really feel sorry. Like Paul says, I, I wish myself a curse for my kindred's sakes or whatever. If you're not going to church, if you're not following God, that's a red flag to stay far away from you as I could. You know why? Read the scriptures, the associations. In other words, those that's rejecting God. You see, God's calling here. He's calling, and we've been studying that in Bible study, where he's making a call, and he wants the church to overcome and to be triumphant and to celebrate him, that the praise of their lips, it's not just idle praise. When you hear or see people that don't belong to a church, that's not following the commandments and statutes of God, watch them when they mention the name of God because they're saying I can do like I want to do and follow God like I want and they can keep all of their vices and follow God. Mm. 
They're not saying that they could strip themselves down and deny themselves and take up the cross to follow after God. That's why the world is so calamitous today. Because everyone has their own way of serving God. It's as if the time of judges, every man did that was right, which is, was in his own eyes, which was right. So in a way, even those within the church has apostatized. They have left the upstanding and the uprightness in the church, and that's what we see nationally. That's the thing about national Christianity. And that's the reason a lot of people dwell away from others and not isolate yourself from others, but you be mighty careful of the company you keep. The peace of Jesus is not always a quiet rest from anxiety, but a confident strength that God will win the day despite our anxieties and feelings. We are part of that victory that accompanies that. We're fighting that battle. It may look like I'm the odd man out. It looked as though Job was the odd man out at that time. All three of his friends was against what he was saying or doing. But your confidence and trust has to be in God. Now, that, that's a double-edged sword there because you could be wrong. And you, all these things has to line up in your life. Your faith and belief has to be confirmed by God, his word, and the actions that's going on. God does confirm his word. Job's friend was very contentious. And, you know, that's why, you know, a lot of friends of people I've had, they're contentious. And I've, I, 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 like I say, no man is an island. In other words, the Bible tells us get along as peaceable as possible with all men. So there are some people you can be talking with or talking about some things, but it's some things we don't talk with or about because you're a contentious person. Everything that I talk to you about, we will end up arguing about. Mm. Doesn't the Bible says about an author of confusion or being argumentative? Yeah. That causes anxiety and stress, even with my children. There's some of them I may have not seen in a while or whatever. I don't come around or whatever. I, I'm not given to arguments. If I have to argue with you or dispute with you on this, yeah. my wife would tell you with her sometimes I even upset some because I say, well, that's okay. Uh, I just leave it alone because it's not worth you got your side and I have my side and whatever side's right is right, but I don't want to argue about it. Yeah. Whatever, however it is, Let's leave that alone. See, that's what I'm trying to bring my life to in God. That's where I get the peace at. Yes, Lord. It's not arguing and not being argumentative and not fooling with contentious people. Yes. An angry pe- person. God tells you about an angry people. And I, I, we had a member that used to be here. They're no longer with us, but... I used to be angry, very angry, and I, I'd have to stay shy of them because an angry man, the Bible says, don't go with or whatever. Anger is a problem, and a lot of people say, well, that's just how I am, or that's the way you, I talk or whatever. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that like to be around people that are like you or whatever, but I'm not one of them. So if you angry or whatever, you know, we'll see one another or whatever, but I don't have close dealings with angry people. Yes. 
So I, I told my wife the other day, I went over to a, a preacher that house that used to be here or whatever, you know, just out of respect for me him being, you know, church members and coming up under him. But I couldn't stay at his house five minutes. We couldn't talk five minutes because of his speech, his attitude and disposition. But I did want to go by and check on him and see how he was doing. Talked to him a few minutes, but when it got to, I said, you know, somebody was waiting on me, but I would just stop in there to holler at you or whatever. And I went down the road to another old friend's house of mine, man, we stayed, stayed there an hour, hour and a half, maybe almost two hours or something. Because God had put people in just because you know someone. That doesn't mean, that's why with husbands and wives, the Bible, and I, I don't know if we covered that here lately or whatever, that Paul tells us about being estranged or departing because God had meant for you to be at peace. So instead of all of these domestic affairs and things where they kill one another, it's better to depart. It's better to live away from one another than fighting and shooting and killing one another. Solomon tells about a man, it's better to live in the corner of your house, on the rooftop of a house, instead of with a nagging and a contentious woman. It's like the steady drip, drip, drip. Because God had created us to be at peace. Peace builds the house of God. So it is our decision sometime that cause us to lack peace or lose peace because we know, man, I was listening at this preacher and that's just about what I do now. He was talking about how he watched football and his wife says, what good does that do you? He says, it makes it less stress for me and it's better for me. I wish I'd have learned that lesson when I was younger. It's like, you know, because that's why I read the Bible and I love the Bible. And you, I can read this and study this hours and hours. You know why? Because I know how it ends. A lot of stories, I watch the reruns and things of OSHA because why? It doesn't have me all complex in it with a lot of anxiety or whatever. So he was saying about this team, this football team that he loved or whatever, but they had a habit of like the Cowboys used to do me, have me living on edge. And you, you, you ever watch your team and it gets you, you know, those things are stressors. But yes. he says, what he do, he liked to record the game. And then when he come back, play it back, you know. Mm-hmm. That way he knows whether his team won or not. And he can watch the, the game, and with all of these things, he know how it ends, so he's not that wound up. You know, that's what gives me peace in the Bible, yes. because Jesus tells me how this going. Yes. So no matter how many of y'all are what right now, a lot of things go on at the church. Yes. I don't tell a lot of people what's going on or what's happening, mm-hmm. because no matter how bad it is, mm-hmm. we win in the end. We win in the end. Yeah. I, I, I can't tell you how, how how it is that when you know how something's come about, you don't bite your nails, you don't stay stressful at night. Right. He says he giveth his beloved peace. Amen. Yes. Now, Amen. along the way, you have to have the smarts. You have to have the intelligence to read God's word and know what God tells you. 
Yes, because there are some vindictive people along the way. There are a lot of vindictive people in the church, and you need to learn whether you're dealing with someone that's vindictive or grudgeful or whatever. Because he didn't say come out of the church because it's a lot of people that you should be helping. And just because they have an attitude or disposition, you might be helping someone that's very grudgeful and hateful. But what does Jesus say? Feed those that despitefully use you, that persecute you and say all manner of things about you. You imagine the people that are living in nursing homes or whatever. Now, if you, if you go get a job in that nursing home, but if you mistreat those people or whatever, you will have a problem with God. But do you know, those are some of the most contentious, cantankerous old people they are. A lot of them are not used to losing authority or control or whatever. I've seen this. I know about these things. A lot of old people, a lot of people in marriage, a lot of people don't want to lose control. A lot of people are very grudges, grudgeful and contentious. But God tells us we still have to help those. That's the thing about Christianity, and that's the thing about the Christianity that's rising up now. See, to be at peace, you need to have to where, when they said this about Job, God told Job to come back and pray for these friends. And the accusations from this guy in verse in Eliphaz in verse 5 and 6, the character of Job was misunderstood. You know, a lot of times your wife don't understand you. Jesus' brothers didn't understand Jesus. They didn't get along with Jesus when Jesus was alive. That's why I guess James did so much against him. Him and Jude did so much against him. Do you know those became some of the strongest leaders in the church because of the conviction, the repentance that they had to turn because they're seeing their lives. Look where we're reading that. Don't just listen at me just preach on one thing here. Go back and see where I started from. Go back and see what all this includes, and that's why the church is behind today. We, we come in the church and we get our hour in, or our 15 or 20 minutes in, or what we want to hear. We're not hungering and thirsting to hear that for that to build us up and for it to put us down, put us down where it should put us down to strip us of who we are and to make us humble and contrite. That word doesn't convict us. We go away from here. We go look at the ball game. We go eat. We go out with our friends. We go on and live life. And it hadn't changed you one bit. It hadn't pulled you out of the world. You don't spend more time with God realizing about how bad you were and how much his death means to you. If he died for every one of your sins and how bad you were, that's when you become grateful and thankful. That's when the praise of your lips, you can't thank him enough. That's why he says, who will love him the most or who would praise him the most? His disciples said, well, the ones that he had forgiven most. But you know what's wrong with this nation? You know what's wrong with a lot of people I know? You ain't that bad. That's why I say good people. You can't deal with good people. Because they think they're good. They don't need that much working on. And they, they're all right. They might just need a little bit. I ain't just as bad as him. I ain't bad as her. 
That's why they won't be saved. Their religion, their belief in themselves, they don't see themselves as they really are. Those are the ones that Jesus talks about. That's why, continue reading, he says, the wicked it knows no rest to the wicked it. They're always trying to get back at those who have done them something, those that have won up them, those that have said something to them. They, they want to prove, like I said, this competitive age. All of those are works of the flesh. Vindictiveness, competitiveness, argumentative, and all of the, those are works of the flesh. Those things are, are damn you to hell. But the fruit of the Spirit is peace, joy, happiness. All of these things make for everlasting. So Jesus, not only then, Jesus says in the Holy Spirit, will work in our hearing to produce remembrance and faith in his words. He says the Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance and it'll give you faith and confidence. So it's something that you have heard. You remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's why I say those people that are outside the church and not hearing the word, the words of God preached that are not hearing the gospel can't be established because it says the gospel is able to establish you, make you steadfast and immovable in the faith and faith coming by hearing the word of God. That's why you have to have a preacher. That's why he created the church. That's why the church is his bride. Those are the ones he called. He didn't die for everybody. So don't let people come to you with that la-la story. Christmas and Easter and all of these things. Those are the ones that need something to attach themselves to. Those are the people that need a works and see, Lord, didn't I do this and didn't I do that? I'm not looking for nothing else to have saved me but the death, burial, and resurrection that Jesus died for me, and but he was resurrected, and I'm resurrected in him. That I'm living this life that he lives through me and in me. That's the reason I died to self is so that he could live through me. I'm not living for myself. Jesus himself had a will. You remember the son was given, but he laid aside the divinities. He says, not my will, not what I want to do. See, it's a lot of people I passed go, coming up here about 1.30 or so, or 1 o'clock, whatever time I come up here. A lot of churches had a lot of people in. Going home, a lot of people in a lot of churches. But there are also bars, restaurants, Homes and things that are packed with people not in them. But it's good tell at the judgment seat of God. Whether you're making the right inner decisions. One that's transformative. One that's giving you peace. One that's strengthening you where you're giving God the praise and the honor and glory uh, he's worthy of. Because that's one of the signs of the end time that people are unthankful. The peace of Jesus is not an escape from life's troubles. That comes in our own resurrection. But it's a partnership where we once trying to make it through a day on our own, on our unreliable strength, becoming joined to the one who never fails and will never leave us. So we wake up in the morning and says, Lord, I can't make it through this day. 
I need you to help me. I, I, I can't do it, God, that you guide and lead me this day and help me in the decisions. That I die to self, that when somebody offends me, that it don't take my peace away. And you know, I'm in the habit of now, and it's hard, that trying to buffet myself of replying or retaliating. It's just like Peter. Peter preached that because notice that he was the one that made the scriptures, that in that scripture he says, when revile, he revile not again. Because Peter had a habit of popping off. And it's got people nowadays that are, before I know it, I have to catch myself because they get almost gets on that last nerve. But we have to understand the weakness and the infirmities of the people that we're dealing with. You understanding what I'm saying? That's why he condescended down to men of, uh, men of low degree. But we notice that in one of the Gospels where Jesus says, how long will I have to put up with this, with them? As a man, he says, how long is he going to have this weary? You know, sometimes people weary you. And that's why it tells you live as much as possible because it's a lot of people that think, that Christians supposed to bear anything you say and tell them. Sometimes you have to tell people where to get on and get off at. See, that's why I say sometimes being the peacemaker requires being stronger than those that's causing the problems. See, sometimes what the shepherd has to do with that staff that he has in his hand, stop walking with it and turn around and use the other end, that club. You see, because there are those that are prone the stumbling. There are those that, like I said, some people will get you out of God's will. And it's better for you to get away from around those. If you are weak, you know, we said causing our brother to stumble. I'm not going to leave alcohol around a, a person's house that's an alcoholic. I wouldn't leave vices of gambling around people that may have problem of addiction gambling. I wouldn't want to bring food around someone that has a diet or health problem that's given to gluttony or whatever. And just like I wouldn't want to be around a person that's given to gossiping and backbiting. So we have to be aware of all of these things in life that the weaker brother, when the Bible tells you about the weaker brethren and that Paul says he wouldn't eat any meat if it would make his brother weak. Well, most of the people coming to the church, unless they have been in there walking in the Lord a long time, they're weak themselves. And they'll pull you down, not maybe trying to. I don't know if Job's friend here was... uh, appointedly trying to disarm Job, but we see that he was just trying to, you know, what he was doing would have disarmed Job if Job would have listened to him. That's why God told Job to go pray for him, hopefully that he mend this change his ways. We don't know what the motivation was here. Because, you know, others have a tendency to think they're smarter than the other person all the time. You notice that? Special with brothers and sisters and relatives and people you're familiar with. That you always think that you're smart or have. You don't want to give them to listen. 
That's why I say me and Brother Parker, when I sit down and talk with we talk a while because he will ask and he will see a man that admits that he don't know something and that are, are listening at you and y'all have a conversation going on. It's different than someone that's waiting for that minute to pounce on something that you said that was erroneous. The pounce on something to rebuke you. The pounce on something. You can't be at peace around that person. You have to always be at God, on God. That's why they tell you about children in abusive homes. You hollering at that child and doing all that. Now nah, that child is shy, whatever. That child gets away from around you. Why? Because you were always the fear factor. You was always the father, the mother that you were right. You were hollering. You could say this and say that. No wonder that child get away from around you and don't come back around you because you didn't beat him down. He can't be at peace. You always got something to say. You are perfectionist. He can't do nothing, anything right. Everything you scope homing in on the bad thing. That's why God said, those of us, we have sinned. We have wrong. We've done all these things. He says, but come back, repent, turn to me and have with the fruitful praises of your. In other words, you line up in obedience and I'll line you up. That's where your peace is, is in Christ. But see, man has a problem here. Having peace. It says Romans 14 and 8, live as peaceable as possible with all men. The living version says, don't quarrel with anyone. Be at peace with everyone just as much as possible. So when I say be at peace as possible or don't quarrel, you don't have to walk away and say, oh, you're right about that, okay, or whatever. No, just leave it alone. Or say, we ain't going to talk about that or whatever. You engage in the Bible tells you that those that come to your door with a different doctrine of thinking, don't bid them Godspeed. Don't say bless you and go on your way. No, I hope you don't take that foolishness and trap somebody else with it. Get on the way from around here with that. That's heresy. The Amplified reads that verse. It says, if possible, as far as depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Yes. See, because you have to keep conversations and things going. I keep talking about certain things because sometimes illustration of something that you've seen or heard may be a little bit more helpful than something I'm saying. Y'all watch Reacher, that sold Reacher. It was a guy on there named Finley. It was the chief of police. And Reacher was very smart, right? Reacher's very smart, intuitive, or whatever. And he told Finley about he was dressed in his jacket and that he had quit smoking. And he had observed a lot of things about Finley. Because they were very abrasive with each other as they were going along. That relationship, and that's why they want to, him to be on another show with him or whatever after that show was over with. Toward the end of that show, they were on a stakeout. They were on a stakeout. And <coughs> Finley was twisting his ring. And Reacher says, Finley, you need to get rid of that ring. I know trees that have gotten rid of rings earlier than that. And he says uh, that his wife, he says, my wife is dead. Sharon is dead. And Reacher said, he says, uh, 
Why do you tell me say everyone thinks because I got to, I, I dress like this and I'm old and grouchy or this and that there that my wife left me and I you know and that it was and that shocked Richie he said well why you didn't tell me Finley said I don't correct anyone you assume that. And that's why I said we can't look at outside of circumstances and read people and understand what's going on to people. Sometimes we have to get a, into a relationship with a person. And that's why Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. See, do you know Christ? Do you have a relationship with him? The people that are around you, do you have a relationship with those people? You know, I try to, as the parent, I try to be a, the peacemaker between my kids, a peacemaker to my children with everybody else. I say, well, you understand that your brother may be a little bit off in this area, may not understand or whatever. Why don't you understanding or give him a break or whatever? In other words, you try to mend or make the peace to get the other person to see the other person's side. You remember I was telling you my mother did that with me? So you don't want to be a divisive person or whatever. You want to try to get a person, as God does with us, to see things from his perspective. And once we start having the mind of God, that's when we become at peace. When a man is at peace with God, when you get to that place, he'll make even your enemies be at peace because you're walking according to God you're in control of the elements and the environment around you because why? You are part, you are one with God and your purpose is to glorify God so you want others to grow and you're not at variance with your brother. You can't hate your brother or sister and love God. That's why you have to love your enemy. So you have to love all men. You have to have that peace within you that you're not hating of anyone. You want to see their best. You want them to prosper. You don't want anyone to be lost. That's why we give out the gospel. We give the good news. Because we want people to see things from that perspective. We know how this ends. They don't all see it from that perspective, but we're not the judge. We're not the judge. Proverbs 13 and 2 says, A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. In other words, wise and good speech brings blessings in many different kinds, including the blessing of prosperity. That's where the prosperity gospel has it at. When you speak good, when you speak good things, when you speak blessings, and when you stop talking negative and you start looking at the better and trying to see the good in things, that's when prosperity, that's when God comes into your life. Yes. But those who are unfaithful to God and to his wisdom may find themselves supported by a true violence. It says shall have, they shall have that violence and injury returned upon themselves because what a man soweth that he shall reap. You will keep in perfect peace and constant peace through one whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you, both in inclination and character, because he trusts and takes refuge in you. So if that's where your mind, that's where you focus at, God's going to keep you in peace because he's going to keep you meditating on his word day and night. Your purpose is his purpose. You're trying to accomplish the unison and peace to all men. 
They don't understand what they're saying, peace and goodwill to men. That's one of the Christmas sayings, peace and goodwill. But they're not understanding that because they're not understanding God. And how can I conclude this? Let me bring this down to, in this covenant of peace, we go about speaking peace and trying to help bring about peace. And I kind of got, we kind of got behind today. I don't want to intervene in too much of the afternoon. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives unto you, I give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So as hardships and tribulation confront God's people, there's no need to murmur about them or complain. The instruction then is quietly without complaints, learn to submit to the will of God. The result will be of the assurance of gaining things. Jesus never said a mumbling word, and he saw all things coming from God. So we must submit to God because some things are sent to break you. You have to break a child's will. You have to break a new saint's will. When they're coming into the church, their will must be broken because there's no such thing as free will. Either you're in bondage to Satan or you're in bondage to God. If you have your own will and you think you have free will, you're in bondage to Satan. But until you get to the point that in everything, you get like David says, well, God bid him to curse David. You remember David wouldn't let him kill because he's seen that David was a man of blood. He was a man of violence. So whatever happens and whatever comes, submit yourself unto God. That, that's what comes before the first part of that verse. It says resist the devil. When it says resist the devil, you have to submit yourself unto God. That way you have to know God's word and what's God's will in your life will be shown unto you by your walk, by your obedience to God. That's when you'll find peace in God. Because you're within a covenant. It's an everlasting covenant. He don't break the covenant and he would be unfaithful to break his covenant. So whatever comes upon you, he's giving you his peace. Upon the cross, Jesus had the peace that God gave it. It, it exceeds all understanding. It's beyond comprehension, the peace that God gives Heavenly Father, as we come before you this afternoon, Lord God, help us to walk in your peace and your work way, Lord God. For you have made it the way of peace, Lord God. We know that you're the Prince of Peace, Lord God, and that you had caused it all of us, Lord God. If our ways please you, Lord God, that even our enemies would be at peace with us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.